0: Hello, and welcome to my lecture series. My name is Nick Lugo, and thank you for being here. Before we get started, I just want to give an explanation or a reminder as to why you're here and why I do these lectures in the first place. It may seem true to you that the reason to come to one of these lectures, or a lecture in general, is to learn. And you wouldn't be wrong, but it's much more than that. You're here to act. The learning part is obvious, but not the acting. Often, I, more than anybody else, know how to act, but simply just don't act. For example, it's not a groundbreaking discovery that going to the gym is important. This is something that we all know, yet the hardest part is, and I'll say it again, action. As you know, the lectures that I'll take you through are hero stories, and there is much to learn from them. Therefore. The first lesson to learn from these stories and these movies is a simple one. One that you already know. Heroes follow their heart. They don't think about following their heart. It is action that separates the heroes from the rest. The goal of this lecture is to facilitate thought and action as the two are so desperately intertwined. Therefore I make this statement that I say with absolute conviction. If this lecture series does not change the actions you take in this world, then I have failed you. This idea of action is one that I explore with incredible depth in these lectures. Finally, if you're looking for a more direct way to act, I suggest you check out my new book, Breaking Your Bad Habits in 150 Pages, A Hero's Journey. My book takes these abstract lessons and applies them directly to you and any bad habit or human weakness that you might be struggling with. I place you in the shoes of a hero and show you how to be both a thinker and a doer, all in 150 pages, for those of you who don't consider themselves readers. You can find the book on Amazon by searching it, or by clicking the link in this video. Now, let's get on to the lecture. Alright, alright, alright. Hello, everyone, and welcome to lecture three of the, well, Star Wars Prequels trilogy, and this is going to be movie two. We're getting into the second movie, and this is going to be great. I am going to make the case for you today and right now that Qui-Gon Jinn, this is probably an underrated opinion, but I'm going to make the case that Qui-Gon Jinn is maybe the most important character in this entire series, and... I think it's pretty solid. I think the evidence is really solid for it. So you know, nobody really cares about the Phantom Menace. Nobody really cares about the first movie, but but the effect that he has on the rest of the movies, on the rest of the, the series is just so so powerful that man, it's like I I can't believe I can't believe we underlook this. Underlook? Overlook? So anyways. Um here's the case. Here's the case to be made. We established in the last lecture, and this is this is gonna be Star Wars Star Wars 1, right? That Anakin needed a structure, right? He needed some sense of structure, he needed some sense of self, and well, he adopted this father figure, this father figure of Qui-Gon Jin, who says, I take Anakin as my Padawan learner, and really taught him some really good lessons. And the best thing about Qui-Gon is that he represents and well he does a perfect job at being able to take the lessons of the past being able to take the jedi culture and explain it so well to anakin right and that's what you need when you're a kid and that's what you need whenever you decide to adopt any sort of structure it's like you have to understand it and you think about it you imagine i I like to think of qui-gon as as the as your favorite teacher from when you were a kid, you know? Like, let's say I had this one teacher in high school, and he was just, he was my political science teacher. And the thing about political science is that nobody's really interested in political science as a as a young high schooler. Like, it's not really that big of a deal. But for whatever reason, this teacher, he was, he was so fiercely articulate. He was so passionate about what he was talking about, and he could explain the Constitution and all these, like, abstract concepts the federalist papers so damn well that um that everyone in the class was was amazed by it and everyone in the class would get so interested in what he was saying or let's say many of the people in the class would get so interested in the things that he was saying that you could say he was taking the the dead culture he was taking the the lost wisdom of the past and interpreting it to something that high schoolers could understand it was it was such a powerful experience being in that class. And I'm sure you have teachers like that, mentors, parents, right? Um, that's probably books, right? We'll say spiritual leaders, people like that who can take the messages of the past, who can interpret such difficult texts, difficult ideas, and explain it to you in a way that you could understand it. One of the great things that Albert Einstein said was, you don't really understand anything until you could explain it to a five-year-old. And that's sort of the idea. It's like, well, you look at something like the Bible, right? You look at something like Christianity, religion. It's something that's kind of lost and something that we really don't understand. And I think one of the real problems with that is that maybe we just don't understand it. Maybe we just don't understand it. And therefore, it's a, it gets lost in translation, Right? You try to teach a kid something like the Bible or something like Jesus died on the cross to save all of our sins. It's like, what the hell does that even mean? And, well, you have to explain it in a really articulate way. You have to explain it in a way that Qui-Gon explains it for you to have any impact. And, well, the problem is, is that Qui-Gon dies. Right? That's exactly what happened. Qui-Gon dies, and you ask the question, what is what is this death here? And the death is something like the connection between the wisdom of the past and Anakin. The wisdom of the past and the new, well, let's say, the new generation. And I'll show you how it how it really plays out. What happens, and this, I don't know how they got this. I don't know how George Lucas knew what he was doing here, but... It's explained so perfectly. They do this so well. What happens is, when Qui-Gon dies, right? Because Qui-Gon is the, he's the person who could explain everything perfectly. What happens is, the culture gets split into two. It gets split into two, and oh, they, they did this so well. So the first thing that happens when you have, let's say, the... The wise leader to, to, um, when you have Qui-Gon, right, the wise translator to die, the first thing that happens is the culture itself gets inarticulate. It gets lost in the past, and that's the figure of Yoda here, right? When you look at someone like Yoda, we look at him as somebody who was, well... Well, he's the one who speaks backwards, right? He's the one who speaks in essentially a foreign language. And, well, you can imagine Anakin is a young guy, right? He's not going to be able to translate that language. He has no idea what Yoda is saying at all times. And that's the problem. The problem is that Yoda, who is 800 years old, right? He's the blast from the past. He's the wisdom that's lost in the past. And the problem is... There's no translator for Anakin to understand it. And and here's a good example. It's a perfect example. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. And he, was, and he told that to Anakin when he was a kid. This was when he was... Before he even grows up. And it's like... He has no idea what you're saying. Right? He has no idea what you're saying. You can't, in Albert Einstein's words, explain that to a five-year-old and he's going to understand it. And the problem is this is how we view, well, culture, right? As, as, the, as children nowadays, this is how we see something like culture. You see, well, you look at the Bible, right? What is the Bible? You see it as ancient texts that really make no sense and that are completely contradictory, right? Like that's what you see when you see the Bible. When you look at, well, try to read Old English, Shakespeare, right? I'm sure you had to do that in English class in high school. It's like, you try to read any of that stuff, it's muddled old language that makes absolutely no sense. And that's a problem, right? That's really a problem because then you don't understand it. And then you, the wisdom of the past is lost. And that's one of the important things. Like you look at something like, name anything, name any wisdom. You know, there's a, there's a lot of Chinese texts that I'm really interested in. There's, you know, Art of War, and uh, the Tao Te Ching, and the yin and the yang, right, the, the Taoist principles, like these, they're wise, right, like, these things establish one of the most powerful dynasties ever, and, well, if you watch the movie Karate Kid, then you'll understand how it has such an impact on us today, and, um, and the problem is, over time, we just forget these lessons, right, like, I think, I think the Chinese language is the perfect thing to understand, because if you were to speak to a native Chinese speaker, or just read Chinese translations, there's no grammar, right? Like, it, it's essentially like they're still speaking in a foreign language. They're not speaking proper English, because there's a there's a mistranslation between the Chinese and the English language that requires, well, the Chinese language doesn't use verbs in the way that in the way that the English language does. So when they try to speak to you, and when the, the wisdom of the past is trying to speak to you, well, it's muddled. And here's the here's the essential problem with that. When we're kids, right? When we're, well, trying to do anything. Let's, let's go with that. When you're trying to do anything, most likely you're trying to solve a problem, right? We'll say that. Most likely you're trying to solve a problem. And most likely that problem has already been solved by somebody in the past, right? Because humans have existed for 200,000 years. It's like somebody has probably solved that and that wisdom has probably been translated into writing or culture, one of the two. And, or maybe it's on YouTube, right? If we're gonna go with the modern, modern example. Well, if you are, let's say, if there's a mistranslation between the two, then the problem is you're not even going to know. You're going to have no idea, and you're going you're going to miss out on the wisdom. And the problem is you're going to have to figure it out yourself, and um, and that's Anakin's problem. So, so when I say the culture split in two, you have let's say the muddled language of the culture, and that's also the. Well, hopefully that's not me, but that's the, the English teacher that you probably had in high school, that I had so many times in high school, that just couldn't really explain why The Great Gatsby is important. Couldn't really explain why I should read Frankenstein or To Kill a Mockingjay or all these Shakespearean ancient texts. And, well, the thing is, then you just don't want to read them. You're like, oh, this is freaking miserable. Why do I want to read these, these classics? And, well, I hope I'm doing an adequate job with Star Wars. I hope I'm taking this muddled ancient text or let's say muddled confusing movie and turning it into something that we can understand. And Well, that's what a good teacher does. That's what a good mentor does. And that's what Yoda isn't. Right? So now when I say it's split in two, what automatically happens, and this is such a relevant thing, what happens is when you have the mistranslation from Yoda, then you have a mistranslator in Obi-Wan. And this is... They did this so, so well. So you look at someone like Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan becomes Anakin's mentor. And the problem with Obi-Wan is very simple, right? And this is in the second movie and the third movie. He's inadequate. He's completely inadequate. He's not a good Jedi, and... Well, he's not a good mentor, because as it says right on the slide here. First, to discover who you are and what you like, and then second of all, to pick a career that suits that. It's very simple. The unfortunate reality is, well, when you first gain your independence and when you first try to discover, well, what possibly exists in the world for me, you have no idea who you really are. You have zero idea who you really are. You have zero idea who you like. I speak about this all the time to I talk to college freshmen. And when I speak to them, I say, Hey, what do you want? And you know, what do you want to do? You know, the simple, what, what career do you want to choose? And overwhelmingly, I get the idea of finance, finance, accounting, right? All these investment bankers on wall street. I want to be this. And I ask them, why do you want to be that? And they're like, cause it makes money. You know, it's the, it's the typical answer. And I know they're They're kind of lying, right? They say, because the answer is, because it makes money, because it makes status, and my parents like it, right? It's like, okay, that's that's the full answer. And, well, the problem is, you never developed your individual self. You never figured out what you like and who you are, because if you don't figure out that, then you're just going to be, let's say, a mold of your either culture or parents, so this is what Anakin fails to do, right? He fails to become his own individual self. What he does is he clings upon Padme, and the representation of his mother is simply just brought over to Padme, and the representation there for something like a career is, well, your parents want you to be an accountant, so you become an accountant. Or at least for a while you plan on becoming an accountant, right? And that sounds about right. Right? How often do we see something like that? It's not a it's not a big thing and it's not a It's not hard to realize why people do that. It's like you have a set path in front of you. You have all the options, you have security. We laid out everything for you. We're a good parent and we laid out everything that we want for you and every, well everything that will bring you peace and security, we'll say. And you say, "Okay, I'll take it." right? It's like, that's great. That's great. Of course I'll take the $100,000, $200,000 salary in and, um, and good security. It's like, of course I'll do that. But the only problem is, well, are you going to like it? Is that what you want? And well, so that's the problem with careers. And then, yeah, so you end up, right? What ends up happening with Anakin is he becomes something like obsessed with it, right? Or Or it takes over his mind. So he says, okay, I want to be a finance major. Very simple. Now, we're going to move on to layer two, and then we're going to develop a little bit deeper into the story, because that's that's a little too surface level. Level two is something like, well, first of all, we'll keep going. So then what happens is, so he falls in love, right? And very simply, he's in, when he falls in love, he goes into the state of paradise. Like look, look how beautiful this place is, and this is the way that they depict it. It's on the planet of Naboo. And We could say Padme, in this case, is the representation of a career, right? It's the representation of, well, partially innocence. That's part of it, because if you look at the way that they depicted Padme, she's very similar in the way that they depicted Anakin's mom. Like, she definitely has some more sensual elements to her, but she's depicted as essentially perfect, just like the mom. She has no problems, no flaws, up until, well well the whole time she really has no flaws the whole time so love is depicted as paradise and we could say this is this is almost the the childish paradise in which in which innocence lies right this is the garden of eden in in the biblical stories it's like this is not real but it's comforting. It's comforting and that's the world in which Anakin lives in right now. So he says I want to be a finance major and what he's really saying is, well, I'm I'm going to live a blissful life. I'm going to live a great life. I think I'm going to live a great life, but really I'm just I'm just ignoring the real world. So what ends up happening is he gets rejected, right? She rejects him and there's a lot of reasoning behind that, but we'll get into that in the third movie. And She rejects him. He says, you know, I want to, I want to get into a relationship, right? I want to, we'll say, from a career perspective, it's very simple. It's like, I want to be in, I want to be with you, right? If If he's talking to accounting, metaphorically speaking, or finance, he's saying, I want to be with you. And she rejects him. So maybe this could be a representation of the internal rejection of, wait a second, You ask yourself, do I really like accounting? Like, do I really care about this? So what happens is, right, he gets rejected and very simply, what ends up happening? He goes back home, right? Why does he go back home? He goes back home to Tatooine and the idea there is very